Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Compelling Community Podcast here for week number three. This is Matt McCullough alongside Jonathan Worsley, and we're so glad that you could join us for a conversation about chapter three of the book Compelling Community. Hope you guys have been enjoying this. We certainly have, and uh, and we come to th- this week to a chapter that is especially near and dear to our hearts because it's a chapter that touches on the importance of church membership, but not to get ahead of ourselves. First, let me back up and say why we're doing what we're doing to make sure that's as clear as it can be for everybody. We, uh, we, we want a community in our church that's strong, that's close, that, uh, that people want to be part of, that's in, inviting, welcoming, uh, a community that, that makes you feel like you belong, that makes you look forward to being around one another, and on and on I could go. I don't know any churches that don't want community because community is awesome. But you can get community in a lot of places, even good community, close community, sacrificial community. So, so what we want is actually one step further than what I've said so far. We want a, a specific kind of community, uh, the sort that brings honor and glory to God, the sort that wouldn't be possible if he weren't actually with us at work by his spirit and his word in us. And so we want a, a community in which it's, it's God's power that attracts others into it, and then that gives it its life and, and power for each one of us who belong to it. That's the kind of community we want. And, and if we want that kind of community, we're going to have to watch out for a danger that this chapter puts squarely on our radar, a danger that they call comfort-based commitment. At the heart of this chapter is a distinction between comfort-based commitment in a community and what they call calling-based commitment. So we thought for our conversation here for a few minutes, we would just talk about each of those two types of commitment and, uh, and, and see if that can't help bring to the surface some of the things that are most helpful in this chapter. So, Jonathan, let me, start, let me throw this over to you. Comfort-based commitment. This is what they're warning us against. It's where the chapter starts. If you had to sum up what it is, how would you sum it up? Hmm. Well, I think first thing to say is that I think it comes from lots of good intentions. You know, people want to see people welcomed in a church. Uh, people want to see the church grow. They want to see lots of people there. Um, but ultimately, I, I guess it's guys like you and me saying to people, hey, come one, come all. No questions asked here. Join our church. Everyone's in. There's no expectations of you at all. In fact, you know, what would you like from us? Would you like a short sermon, a long sermon? Uh, caffeinated coffee, decaf, like, <laughs> right. what, what, do you, what do you want? And, and that's just, that's quite different from the community that, that Jesus builds. Yeah. Um, it, Jesus says, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Yeah. He also calls us to take up our cross daily and to follow him. And that, that basic shape of discipleship, a, a, a shape that, that looks like his brutal death, giving up everything from love for us, um, that, that, that shape is, is difficult to find when our instincts are mostly shaped by a marketplace as customers, right? Most of the, most of the attachments we have in our life here in America uh, are, are attachments that look more like that. They're attachments that we made because we chose to, because there was something offered to us in this particular place or this particular association that, that we wanted, and if you want to build your customer base, you start small. You know, you, you, you come up with a, an entryway that is appealing. And, and then the further in someone comes, the, maybe the more you ask of them along the way. Comfort-based commitment, 
uh, just fits the pattern that I think we're most used to. So to me, it, it, it's a rut that I could easily get into without even meaning to get into it. So when do you, when do you actually start to ask people about their kind of commitment? Because it's obviously not the first thing you say to them as soon as they come into the church. You know, are you going to be a member? Uh, membership is this, 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 and this. Like, when do you start to kind of have those conversations? Well, I think um, I, one of the things I like about the chapter is is where it emphasizes how basic radical love for other Christians is to Christianity itself. That there's not a tiered system of Christian living out there where you've got the you know so the beginners tier or you become a Christian and then. And then at that phase, it's kind of like being like an infant, and you're you're just carried everywhere and 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 fed until you're up on your feet walking for yourself. That's actually not not how Christianity works. As soon as you're with Jesus, you're immediately made responsible and invited to contribute to the the health of other Christians to try to help them grow. That um, they point to First John four for a picture of love that's just basic Christianity and, and either or, and it. It's this sort of radical pursuit of other people. Uh, so I think you're asking for that kind of commitment as soon as a person commits to Jesus. Repentance and faith then looks like investing in other Christians. Um, so I, we're sort of drifting our way into the calling-based commitment, uh, the comfort-based commitment. We don't even need to talk much about it, I think, because it comes so naturally to us. It's just all around us in our lives. It's exactly the kind of commitment I have to my Internet provider, um, and, and it, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it there. It's, it, it's a kind of commitment that's very familiar to us. The kind of commitment that the scriptures call us to, what they refer to as calling-based commitment, is, is really what we aim for through the practice of church membership. Um, and, and because it's so countercultural, um, I think we need to spend most of our time talking about that. So if we want a community where the relationships we have with one another tell the truth about God and who he is, what his love is like, and show his power at work amongst us. We're going to need, we're going to need calling-based commitment, which we aim for through church membership. Let's talk first of all about where this kind of commitment to one another shows up in the Bible. So, I mean, one of the things I say at the beginning of a church membership class usually is that church membership is not in the Bible. You won't find that phrase any more than you'll find the Trinity there. But just like the Trinity, you'll find, you'll find the shape of church membership, that kind of relationship, all over the place. Can't understand the New Testament without it. So why don't you walk us through, what are some of the main texts you would take somebody to to see that this is something God tells us to, to practice as a church? Yeah, I mean, that's a line that I use as well in terms of um, you won't really see the notion of membership in the church, um, sorry, in the Bible. Um, but we are called members of one body. Mm -hmm. um, Colossians 3.15 talks about letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since you are members of one body. So we kind of get close to the notion of membership there and through that, the picture of the body. Um, I think if I'm, if I'm looking to take people to anywhere to show them membership, I think I just go right back to the, to the very start of, of the church and the, and the church in Jerusalem. So right at its kind of birth, we, we get that kind of concept of, of membership throughout. And that goes back to some of the things you were saying um, a, a minute ago. So, um, yeah, so Peter preaches his, his, his famous Pentecost sermon and the people cry out, what shall we do? And he says, repent, and, and not just repent, but, but also be, be baptized. Show yourself publicly 
to be part of a new community. And so what happens is, you read then in, in Acts uh, 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that number yeah. that day. They know so who they are. They know who they are. Yeah. And then you just follow it along. So then, straight after that, a few verses later, Acts 2.44 says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. This is immediately after they have, have, have repented and, and believed. They come into this community, they sell property and their possessions and they meet together and they break bread with one another. The, the, kind of the, the passage goes on. And then you get that bit at the end of Acts 2, Acts 2, uh, 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So here is this is growth in, in number of people, and not just number of people who are believing, but a growing number who are committed yep. to one another. And it's actually really different from the other people in Jerusalem. So if you kind of just keep kind of plotting that through in Acts 4, you get then 5,000 added to their number. And then in Acts uh, 5, it, we read that all believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them. So there's a kind of a notion of kind of joining there, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were being added to their number. So there's lots of places you can go talking about commitment, talking about the one another commands. And there's obviously some things that we, we, you know, we, we can't do unless we're, we're, we're together. But I think if I'm starting off, I'm starting off right from the very start. Mm-hmm. We see church membership or the very essence of church membership right starting that first church uh, in Jerusalem. Yeah. You mentioned here a moment ago that some of the places we could go would be the one another's of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So I think this is me transitioning a little bit from where do we see this in the Bible to what is the payoff of a relationship that's that's framed up this way with a commitment to one another that's all in, all at the beginning. I think the one another's in the New Testament point us in this direction f- for a couple of reasons. I think that if you if you put them all together, the aggregate, in the aggregate, this picture of what it looks like to love one another is so costly and so comprehensive that you just couldn't possibly love every Christian that way. Yeah. There's too many Christians in Nashville alone for me to, to, to invest that much of myself into. But I want to make sure that I'm obeying the call of the Scriptures to love in this way. So where do I start? Mm-hmm. Church membership helps me sort of zoom in on, okay, these are the people, these are the names, these are the lives that I'm going to put all of that investment into. And yeah. then the other thing about those, uh, the other thing, and then I'll, I'll let you jump in, is that in, in some cases these one another's in, in require great vulnerability. Sometimes we're told to, to guard one another in our faith, like to protect one another from straying outside of what the true gospel is. Paul often warns of that. In other places, we're told to, to uh, challenge one another so that we don't fall into, as Hebrews 3 puts it, a, a kind of unbelieving heart. Um, it, you just shouldn't go around challenging just anybody who comes across your path, even if they own the name of Christian. That, that's something somebody's got to invite you to do. That mm-hmm. accountability role is something that requires trust yeah. and an invitation. And one of my favorite lines from this chapter is where they talk about how with church membership— uh, if, if comfort-based commitment, you, you ease into it. With church membership, you make a commitment to a bunch of people you actually don't know that well. Yeah. And right up front, you're promising this whole list of things that you're going to do for one another that that you just wouldn't promise to do apart from Christ. 
And, and as vulnerable as that might be, it's actually the secret sauce for making the whole thing work because it's when you commit to one another that you know you can count on one another, that you know you can be open, that, the, that it's safe to, to, to be exactly how you are, who you are, as you are, because that person over there is already committed to me. I'm not on probation. I'm not trying to, to earn the, their investment in my life or to prove that I'm worthy of whatever they, it might cost them to, to be my friend. They've just promised that by free grace, sheer love, right on the front end, just like God promises to us. I don't know how to get that without a commitment, a calling-based commitment where it's all up there at the front. Jump in now. I cut you off a moment ago. No, no, I think that just also spills over into our role as pastors as well and, and, and leadership and not kind of overstepping, but equally not being lazy with the people that God's entrusted us with. So uh, another passage I'll often go to is Hebrews thirteen seventeen, mm-hmm. which says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. I.e., there's a certain subset of people who are to listen to me in a way that other Christians don't. Yep. And there's also a particular subset of Christians that I am to give an account for right. to, to, to God. Uh, in fact, when I first uh, came to my previous church, they didn't have church membership. And I said, you know, that's, that's, you know, I think that's really important. And I tried to explain that. And um, so I got a little bit of pushback. And I just kind of opened that, that verse to them and said, listen, you, you can't pay me enough money to, know, uh, to not know who I'm going to give an account to God for. This is, this is really important. Um, yeah. And that just doesn't work apart from from the specificity, the formality yeah. of committing to one another in the covenant of a local church. This is this commitment that we have through our covenant is what contains the beautiful, vibrant, organic life we're aiming for. It, it protects it. It's like the, like the bowl into which you pour your cereal. It's got a, it's, it, the point is the organic life, the one another's, it, the, all of the beautiful pictures of love that the New Testament gives us. But, but what holds it and protects it, what contains it, is a commitment that we make to one another for thick and thick or thin, for better or for worse, much the way that the Lord has has put himself on the line for us. So friends, that's the kind of commitment that we are are encouraging you to pray for, for your own life, but also for your other friends at, at our church. Um, we know that this is the kind of commitment that depends on the power of God, and so we we pray for it, and we ask you to to make this one of your main prayers for our church that we would have this kind of depth of love for one another. Uh, and, and through that, honor God. Thank you for giving us your time today. We'll see you next week.